Good morning. Good morning. This morning, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 6. And we're going to go verses 9 through 20. We'll finish the chapter. Are you excited? Mm -hmm. We have lots of verses to cover. Okay. Should we pray? Mm -hmm. Dear Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to come together to learn about who you are, about your will and your ways, about your promises, about how you view us, um, and just how we relate to you. I ask you would lead and guide us through this study, that your words would be spoken here this morning, not mine, that you would just speak to each of our hearts. I thank you for all that you do each and every day. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. So, we'll be in Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Are you ready? Remember where we left off last time? Paul was talking about them being spiritually dull, right? And so, Paul was talking about them being spiritually dull. We're in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. I'm not seeing the whole armor of God. The whole armor. We went over that. We'll pick it up in verse 9. We'll be in the New Living Translation this morning. Dear friends, even though we talk, we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things. Things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. In the New King James, verse 12 says that, that you will not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Right? What is he saying? He's encouraging them not to just go through the motions. How often is it that we go through the motions of our Christian faith? We go to church on Sunday and that's about it. That's as far as it goes. We go through the motions. I think that's exactly what he's talking about here. He just got done telling them a few verses earlier that those who have tasted the good the goodness of God and have walked away from that have no hope of salvation, right? And not be saved. And that sounds pretty harsh. And we went over that and God says some harsh things 
And where we concluded on that was that while things may be impossible for men, like for a rich person to inherit the kingdom of God, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. It sounds impossible. But Jesus finished off that verse with, but anything is possible with God. All things are possible with God. So with God, all things are possible, but he's giving them a very strong warning about just going through the motions. And then he also says that we don't want to become sluggish, but we want to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit God's promises, right? So by faith, they believe, and by patience, they continue believing, right? You ever have that happen in life where you have God's promises and it takes faith to believe them because the situation you're in at that moment in your life, it seems impossible for anything good to come out of it. But if you believe in God's promises and you patiently endure, and then when you get to the other side, what happens? You see that God had a plan and he had it all worked out and that whatever bad situation it was, he turned to good. Have you ever had that happen in your life? Over and over and over again. So this morning, we are going to look at some of God's promises. We have a lot of verses to cover. We're going to be all over the Bible, looking all around. The first one we're going to start with is in John chapter 3. And we're going to go back and forth between the King James and the New Living Translation. So, get your fingers ready. Lots of places to go. Lots of verses to cover. And we're only covering a few of God's promises. If we were to cover them all, it would probably take us about eight hours. Do you think we should do that today? No. No? Next time. Maybe next, next Sunday. There's football happening or something. <laughs> on a Broncos bye week. week. How about that? <laughs> there you go. So John chapter 3, verse 16. You know this one? Mm-hmm. You do? Have you ever seen it as one of God's promises? You've never seen it as one of God's promises? Yes. Yes. So John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Right? So that's a promise. Isn't that one of God's promises? That whoever believes in him, whoever believes in Jesus, should not perish, but will have everlasting life. Right? Is that a promise of God? Probably one of the most important promises, right? So, along that same line of very important promises, let's go to Romans chapter 10. You know where we're headed on this one? Mm-hmm. You do? You think so? Mm-hmm. We're headed to Romans. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're headed to Romans. Romans chapter 10. Now, all these verses we're going to cover, you should probably have highlighted in your Bible. Wait, just so ready. you know. 
After Acts. So you have the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. This is Matthew, Mark, Luke, yeah. John. Before Corinthians. Right, before Corinthians. In between Acts and Corinthians. Find it? Okay. So Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So do you hear the promise there? If you believe and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Doesn't that sound like a promise or a guarantee? That's what God's promises really are. They're guarantees. So that's one you should have highlighted. That's an important one. So the next place we'll go, we'll spend some time in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah will start in chapter 26. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. It's after Proverbs, after Ecclesiastes, after Songs, before Jeremiah. We're going to start in verse 26. Isaiah, I'm sorry, chapter 26. Ready? Mm -hmm. So Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. So you will keep him, this verse is talking about a person. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is on you. Does that mean that as a Christian, our lives will be easy? Always peaceful? No. Remember, what did Jesus say? We'll cover this today. But what he said is that the peace he gives is not like the peace of the world, right? The peace of the world is no conflict. But that won't happen. Jesus' peace is a peace to go through the conflict. So that's what this verse is saying. You will keep, meaning God, this verse is referring to God as you, will keep him, meaning men and women, in perfect peace. So God will keep men and women in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So when our mind is on God, he keeps us in perfect peace because we trust in you, God, 
right? So when we trust in God and our mind is focused on him, we can go through the conflict with peace and the peace that only he can provide. Make sense? Sounds simple. Not so easy when you're going through the conflict, though. But this is a guarantee from him. When we focus on him, we can go through the conflict with peace. So if we don't have peace in our lives during the conflicts we go through, what's the problem? Our minds are not focused on God. And you're going to see there's a theme all throughout this. The New Living Translation puts it this way. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Okay? So that's an important one. You have that one highlighted? Write some notes down on that one. When you're going through a tough time, what do we do? Focus on God. Fix our mind on God. Look to Him for the answers. The next verse we'll go to is in Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Are you there? Yeah. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You have that one highlighted? There's a lot of promises in there, right? What's the first promise he tells, or the first commandment he gives us is to fear not. That's a commandment. That's not a request. He's telling you to fear not, for I am with you. So God is with us. That's a guarantee, right? When we ask Jesus into our lives, he never leaves us, he never abandons us. We'll get to the verse that talks about that today, too. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. He is our God. Another guarantee. Don't be dismayed is his commandment. I will strengthen you. Another guarantee. Yes, I will help you. Another guarantee. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Another guarantee. Or promise, right? God's promises are guarantees. Let's go to Isaiah 40, verse 31. Just a few verses back here. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But all who wait on the Lord, so everyone who waits on the Lord, that goes back to this patience, right? So faith that we read about in Hebrews, Faith is believing these guarantees, right? God said it. I believe he'll do it. That's the faith part. And here we get to say all who wait on the Lord. Or we get to see it says all who wait on the Lord. That's the patience part, right? Does God answer our prayers the way we want, when we want? No, he doesn't. It's always his will in his timing. And his will and his timing is perfect. Always better than ours, right? But that takes patience. So what does God teach us? He teaches us patience. What's the hardest thing to learn? Patience. At least for me. Maybe it might come easy for you guys. 
but it is hard for me to learn patience, right? Because I want things to happen now. I want them to happen my way, right? In my timing. Yeah, that does sound about right. But thank you, God, that he is patient with me, right? Does God, any of these attributes that God is trying to refine in us, you realize that he already has them all? He is very patient. I would have given up on myself a long, long time ago. So, let's go to Isaiah 40, verse 29 now. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. So he gives power to the weak, and those who have no might, he increases strength. These are more guarantees, right? So when you think, I can't do this, you probably are absolutely correct. But with God, all things are possible. He gives you the strength, right? He gives power to the weak, and he gives strength to those who need it right? So our strength, our power, everything we have comes from him. Does it make sense? You understand this? Now let's look at uh, 41, Isaiah 41 verse 13. There's lots of promises all throughout here. So Isaiah 41 13, for I, the Lord, your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. What's the promise here? That God will take us by the hand, telling us not to worry, I will help you. So, do you remember when you were little kids and we'd cross the street or something? And what would your parents do? What would your dad do? Grab you by the hand, right? And lead you across. That's exactly the picture right here that God is painting. That he will grab you by the hand and lead you through it. If you'll let him. Right? He doesn't force his hand upon us. He doesn't make us do what he wants us to do. It's always our choice. So if you'll let him, he will lead you through it. That's a guarantee. A promise. Isaiah 41, 13. The next place we'll go is Isaiah... 43, chapter 43, verse 2. Do you see all the promises, all the guarantees in these verses? Mm -hmm. And these are only a few. The Bible is filled with these promises, these guarantees from God. And it takes faith to believe them, especially when we're going through troubled times. Right? So Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Well, that doesn't sound very good. When you pass through the waters, when the river overtakes you, it'll be with you. When you pass through the fires, you will not be burned. Right? So when you pass through these troubled times, you'll make it through the other side. When we put our faith and our trust in him, even when it seems impossible, he will get us through the challenges, every single challenge that we face, right? When it comes to temptation, what does the Bible say? He always shows us a way out. But when it comes to testings, 
God allows us to be tested. And this is part of that. This is what he's saying. I'm going to allow you to be tested, but I'm going to lead you through it. And we're supposed to focus on him. But again, our focus on him isn't just a church on Sunday. It's all throughout our week, all throughout our life, every minute of every day. And how easy is it to get distracted, especially in this life, with so many other things? Pretty easy. It is. So, continuing on on our promises of God. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 10. Isaiah chapter chapter 54 verse 10 for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed but my kindness shall not depart from you nor shall my covenant of peace be removed says the Lord who has mercy on you so the mountains shall depart the hills be removed but his kindness shall never depart from us nor shall his covenant of peace be removed. God promises us peace, right? But not an absence of conflict, but peace to go through the conflict. That's a guarantee. His promises are all guarantees. And God has mercy on us. Another guarantee. And I'm very thankful for that. He doesn't give us what we deserve. What we deserve is far worse than what we've got, right? He doesn't punish us for everything we've done wrong. Thank you, God, for that. The next verse we'll look at, Isaiah 54, verse 17. So just a few verses down here. This is a good one. This is one you should have highlighted. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is for me, says the Lord. So no weapon formed against you shall prosper, right? So people are going to come against you all of your life, especially when you step out as a believer. People are going to judge you. People are going to say harsh things about you. And what is God saying here? That all the weapons, all the judgment, none of it shall prosper. None of it will come to pass. So the New Living Translation puts it a little bit differently. But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. Right? People are going to come against you. People are going to accuse you. Say harsh, mean things about you right? He's giving you that warning. But if you have the patience and faith to endure through it on the other side, he will justify you. He'll make it right. Does that sound like a good promise to have? Have you ever had someone say something mean about you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you ever had someone say something mean about you that isn't even true? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is God promising here? That he will lead you through that. The next place we're going to go is Matthew chapter 11. 
Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of the Gospels. Matthew chapter 11, we'll go down to verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So when we're going through this life and it feels like a struggle, was probably part of our problem. That we're not coming to God with all of our struggles, right? We're not coming to God with all of our decisions. That we've stepped out away from Him because we thought we knew better or we didn't want to take the time to allow us, allow Him to lead and guide us. And what He's saying is, come to me, come back to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, when you feel like your plate is overloaded and full and you can't handle any more, we're probably not walking with God, right? Come to him, all of us who are weary and heavy laden, who have lots of burdens, who have lots of things that we're carrying, who are laboring hard, and he will give us rest. That's a guarantee, right? That sounds like a guarantee. When God says, I will do something, then he will do something. Without a doubt, right? The next place we'll go is John chapter 14. Probably verse 27. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. So John 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So this peace that he's giving us, right? He's giving us a peace. He leaves us with peace but not as the world gives peace, right? How is God's peace different? You know how it's different? God's peace allows us to go through the conflict with peace in our hearts because we can trust that he has this handled. Even when it seems impossible in our lives, he has it handled. I don't know if these verses are speaking to you, but they definitely speak to me because it seems like there's been lots of conflict in our lives in the last couple of years. And that each one that we go through, even when it seems impossible, even when it seems unfair and unjust, that the best thing I can do is patiently endure and trust that God will take care of it. Even when it seems like there's no good outcome. There's no possible way you can turn this for good, God. I'm doomed, right? 
One person that wrote a lot about this is David. He wrote a lot about this in the Psalms. Many, many times. God, I'm doomed. My enemies have overtaken me. They're getting ready to kill me. But yet they never do. God always rescues him. So the New Living Translation puts John chapter 14, verse 27 this way. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled or afraid when you go through tough times. When we turn to God, he gives us the peace to go through. And that is huge. Huge, huge, huge. Every time you go through a troubled time, turn to God and trust that he will straighten this out. So when you're at school and there's some conflict and somebody said something mean about you or whatever it is, you should patiently endure, patiently go through it, then trust that God will straighten it out, right? When we're walking with him, does he give us that promise? Absolutely. Okay. John 16, 33. So John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Right? So in Jesus we have peace. In the world we're going to have tribulations, we're going to have trials, we're going to have tough times. But be patient. Why? Be of good cheer because God has overcome the world. Jesus has defeated the world. He's defeated sin and death, right? On the cross. He did that when he willingly went to the cross. He paid the penalty for each of our sins. Death can no longer hold him. Death no longer has power over us, right? Because when we believe in Jesus, we have eternal life in heaven, right? Is there a peace that comes with that? Absolutely. Let's go to John chapter 3, verse 36. Are you highlighting these verses as we go through? These are some good ones that you should have highlighted, I think. Oh, we already have a Bible scholar student. <laughs> yes, saying. we do. Not all, but most of them. John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life and he who does not believe the son shall not see life but the wrath of god abides on him the wrath of god remains on him so he who believes in the son has everlasting life he will never die he who does not believe in the son has the wrath of god remaining on him that's a guarantee right so Again, when we believe in Jesus, what happens? We have eternal life, everlasting life, life in paradise with him, unending. Let's look at John chapter 8, verse 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Right? 
when the sun makes you free, what does he make you free from? Not sure. Okay. You ask him, what's he, what's he say you're free from? Well, he's free from death and your own sin. Free from death and free from sin? Yes. Absolutely. So to put that into context, we go a few verses back. And this is important. So we'll go back to verse 31. So John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So abide means remain. If you remain in my word. So if you remain in the Bible, we spend time in the Bible. We've confessed that Jesus is God. We believe it in our heart. We have a changed life. We remain in the Bible. We are his disciples indeed, right? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So what sets us free? The truth. What's the truth? God's word, right? God's word can set us free. The truth that Jesus died on the cross for our sins can set us free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? They are Abraham's descendants. They were in bondage in Egypt to the Egyptians. They were slaves. I'm not sure what they're talking about here, these Jews. They think they're so smart. They're smarter than Jesus. And I think it's easy for us to look down on them like, oh, how foolish you are. But how often do we do the same thing? We think we're smarter than God. We think we have it all figured out, right? So before we cast judgment on these Jews who speak like this to Jesus, we should check ourselves. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever. But a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So what does Jesus free us from? The slavery of sin. When we get into sin, what's it do? It enslaves us. You can't get away from it, even when you want to. I can think of that in my own life, in different aspects, and it's absolutely true. But with Jesus... He sets us free from all of that. That's a guarantee, right? One of the many promises we've been through already. So now let's go to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Starting in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. This is a big one. This is a very important one. Trust in the Lord with half of your heart. Is that what it said? Trust in the Lord with half your heart? No. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Yeah, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, all of it, not half, all, 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So when it talks about taking pride in our accomplishments and what we've done, in all of our ways, we're told right here to acknowledge him. He gets credit and glory for everything good in our lives. You want to take credit and glory for something, take credit and glory for the bad things you've done in life. That wasn't of him. But the good things in our lives, acknowledge him in all of our ways. And he will direct your paths. He will direct your path in life. When you trust him with all your heart, acknowledge him in all the things that he has done. He'll direct your path, right? That's a big one. You should have that one highlighted, probably underlined, starred, maybe a little tab on the side so it's easy to point to. So you know where it's at. Write it on your hand. You're allowed to write on your hand if it's Bible verses. <laughs> Proverbs 22, verse 6. And if you'd like a list of these, I can give you a list of these verses when we get done. Okay. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. So if you wonder why your parents make you go to church and and do all these things, read through the Bible, spend time in prayer. What are we doing? We're training you up so that when you're older, you'll know what to do. It's a guarantee. One of God's many, many guarantees. Let's go to the book of James. So James is right after Hebrews. You know where Hebrews is. That's the book we're studying. So James is the very next book. We'll probably start in James chapter 1. So James chapter 1. Starting here in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives a liberal who gives all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. Right? So my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So when you fall into tough times, you're to count it as joy. That's a command. That's what you're supposed to do. So by faith, I'm going to do what you've told me to do, God. Knowing, and you don't just do it blindly, you know that this trial that you're going through, this tough time, this that the testing is a testing of your faith and it produces patience, right? So we go through tough times, we can believe God at his word or we can go through and mope through it. When we believe God at his word, we have faith and it produces patience, right? 
So these trials, these tough times we go through are not in vain. God is using them to refine us, to produce patience in us. And that's perfect. That's a, making us perfect and complete, which probably won't happen this side of eternity, but that's the process of sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ, less like me and more like him, right? Laying down my life, denying myself, my desires, picking up my cross and following Jesus. That's what it is. That's the process of sanctification. Less of me, more of him. And if you lack wisdom, Ask God, and he will give all liberally. He'll give you a, a liberal portion without reproach. That's an important one. One thing I pray for every single morning. God, please grant me patience and wisdom. And you know what? He does. Every time I ask, he's always faithful to lead me in that way. So the New Living Translation put these verses a little bit different. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. But then he goes right on the very next verse and says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. So when we ask for wisdom, we're to have our faith in God alone. We can't have one foot in the world and one foot in our Christian faith. Our faith should be in God alone. We should be trusting in Him. Let's look at James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's a guarantee, right? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, to his will, what he's asked you to do. Resist temptation, and he will flee from you. That's a big one. James chapter 5, verse 14 is the next one. If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anoint him with oil, and in the name anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So when you're sick, you're calling the the elders of the church. They're to lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, and pray, and God will heal. And what are the ways that God heals? He can heal instantly right then and there. He can heal in time. He can heal through medicine, through doctors, or God can heal us ultimately. When we go to heaven, 
what's our, one of our promises? Well, the new body, right? So by faith, we can believe all these things. Let's look at, let's look at some of the Psalms. You ready for the Psalms? We'll start Psalm 32. A lot of the Psalms are written by David. David went through many troubles and trials and struggles in his life. And you get to read about that all throughout the Psalms. Which one? We'll start with 32. Psalm 32. Are you there? Mm-hmm. You ready? Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. God will teach you. God will instruct you on the way to go. Guarantee it's a promise. When you look to him, he will show you what to do. Did you know that? You knew that guarantee already? All right. Let's go to Psalm 27, verse 1. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God is our light, our salvation. He's our strength. Whom shall we fear? Who shall we be afraid of? No one. No one. Let's go to Psalm 18, verse 1. I will love you, Lord. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength. In whom will I trust? My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Fangs of death surround me, and the floods of ungodliness ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surround me, and the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. David was going through a tough time and his enemies surrounded him. He cried out to the Lord and God heard him, right? Does God hear you every time you pray to him? Yes, every single time. That's another one of the many, many guarantees. 
let's take a look at Deuteronomy verse 31. Or Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. When we ask Jesus into our lives, what happens? He comes into our lives. Does he ever leave us? Does he ever abandon us? Does he ever forsake us? Never, right? And the Lord, who is the Lord? The Lord is God. Who is God? God the Father, God the Son, who we call Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. So the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He goes before us, and he will be with us. He will not leave us nor forsake us. So do not fear. Do not be dismayed. He is always with us. While we're in the Old Testament, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah. Chapter 29, verse 11. This is probably one that you all know. Another great one to have highlighted, though. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So what is that? It's a guarantee. He, has, he knows the thoughts that he has for us. And what are they? Of peace, of future, of hope. God has a plan for us. And that plan is a hopeful plan. What are we to hope in? And hope is not a, I got my fingers crossed, I hope I win the lottery. This hope that God speaks of is more guarantees. They're guarantees. We have a hope, we have a guarantee of salvation we get to look forward to. And that's a big deal, isn't it? He'll never leave us, never abandon us. He's always with us. He'll walk through the fires with us. He walks through the fires and trials ahead of us. Those are the hopes that we have, right? The New Living Translation puts it a little bit different. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Yes, that's an important one. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. So now... Let's go to the New Testament. I think we'll finish off in the New Testament here. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 
Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6. It's the New Testament. So Philippians is after Acts, after Romans, after Corinthians, after Galatians, after Ephesians. You get to Philippians. Yeah, hopefully. Before Timothy, before Thessalonians, you have Philippians. Chapter 4. Verse. verse 6. Actually, we'll start in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. That's a commandment for us. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Another command. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made, be made known to God. We're to come to him in prayer for everything, right? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So again, it's a guarantee of peace. He will guard our hearts and our minds. And this peace is going through these conflicts that we will go through in life. So don't be anxious for anything. Why? Because he has it hand. And this peace that we get from him is a peace that when we focus on him, that he will lead us through it. Finally, brethren, verse 8 here, so Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good, are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So this meditation that he's talking about here, it's not like the Eastern meditation you hear about this emptying of your mind. God's meditation is filling your mind. Filling your mind with these things, all these good things, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is right. Those are the things we should fill our mind with. These things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, do these, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace. So what we are, we've been over this a few times. God is the God of many things, but here we're told he's the God of peace. And it's not an absence of conflict, but a peace to go through the conflict. He's the God of all comfort. We've been over that recently. All comfort that we have comes from him. So, with those, let's go to let's go to First Peter chapter two. We'll finish up these last few verses here. First Peter 
chapter 2, verse 24. First Peter chapter 2, starting into verse 24. Who himself bore our sins, speaking of Jesus, in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray. You have now returned to the shepherd and overseers of your souls. So all of us were like sheep going astray. We return to Jesus. When we turn to Jesus, when we look to him, we have all these promises, these guarantees that he will do in our life, right? When we focus on him. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good. God is working all things together for good. But don't stop there. Keep reading. To those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. So God is working all things together for good for those who love God. And how do we show that we love God? Many, many places in the Bible it says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. When we obey his commands, when we obey his word, we show that we love God, right? So he's working all things together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So that's the whole verse there. Don't read the first part. Many people just quote the first part. God's working all things together for good. No, only for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So when we're doing what he's asked us to do, when we're obeying his commands, when we're living our life, the life that he's called us to live, what's he doing? He's going to work things for good. Another one of his many guarantees. Then... Let's finish up here with Matthew chapter 6. There's many other promises we could go over if you'd like to. Maybe we can save that for another time. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Actually, let's start in verse 25. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. What's the command here? Do not worry. So if we worry about things in our life, what are we doing? We're living in sin. That's a big key thing to take out of this. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food, the body more than clothing. Look at the birds in the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature. So, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies in the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I say to you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. That's what the Gentiles get worried about. For your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. He's going to cover all the basic necessities of your life. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So don't worry about tomorrow when we keep our eyes focused on the kingdom. When we seek first the kingdom of God, when we seek first God's righteousness, he will take care of everything else. That's probably the biggest promise that we have next to the promise of salvation. So, I'll read to you in the, out of the New Living Translation. was last few verses. So the New Living Translation, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 31. Do not worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But you, but your heavenly Father, already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Right? So when we seek the kingdom of God, when we live righteously, he will provide for all of your needs. That's a guarantee, a promise that that will happen. So let's finish up now in Hebrews chapter 6. 
finish up the last few verses, starting here in verse 13. Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6, verse 13. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham, since there was no greater name, no greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and received what God had promised. Abraham waited patiently and received what God had promised. But did Abraham wait patiently? Because I seem to remember this story of his wife coming to him saying, Hey, why don't you take my maidservant and have a child with her and we'll help God because he needs our help fulfilling his promise. And they did. They didn't wait patiently. Does that mean the Bible has a contradiction? No. I would say to you that Abraham and Sarah, his wife, asked for forgiveness and God forgave them and removed it from their record. So when we read about it here in the New Testament, we don't read about the bad things Abraham did because they're not on the record books anymore. We only read about the good things. And it says that Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind, right? God's oaths are guarantees, right? What God says he will do, he will do. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. It is impossible for God to lie, right? These things are unchangeable because God cannot lie. That's not in his character. That's not who he is. So when God says that he's going to do something in his word, it will happen. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence that as we hold to the hope that lies before us, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And that's where we end. For the order of Melchizedek, we went over this. It's a Christophany that we saw in the Old Testament, an appearance of Christ. Jesus appeared as Melchizedek to Abraham, right? And this is just saying that his line will continue forever. Jesus' line as high priest and king will continue forever. That he will rule and reign in this earth forever. He will rule and reign over us. And there's an order in which that comes. The millennial kingdom will come. And then after the millennial kingdom will be a, a war. Jesus will defeat them with what? One word, his word. So Jesus created everything with what? His word. He'll defeat all of his enemies with his word. That's a guarantee, a promise that that will happen. So with all of that, that's where we end our study today. Do you have any questions? All this made perfect sense to you?
It's crystal clear. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm glad. So when we go through tough times, what do we do? Look to God's word. There's promises all throughout here that he can lead us and guide us. So with that being said, do you have a question? Mm -hmm. You do? Okay. No, but I... I... Oh, okay. Well, then that's what we'll end for today. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this study. I thank you for all the promises that you do give us. I ask that you would speak loudly to each one of us, that when we do go through these troubles, these trials, that we would first turn to you. Not to our friends, not to our family, not to our parents, not to our spouses, that we would turn to you first, above all else, that we would look to you for direction, for guidance, for strength, for endurance, for patience, for wisdom, all these things that can only come from you, that we would trust in you for the direction of our lives, for the ways that we should go, for the patience that we need when we're dealing with people who come against us harshly, that you would help us to be a light and a witness to them. That we'd be a light and a witness to you in our communities, in our places of work, in our schools, in all that we do. And that we would reflect your goodness, Jesus, onto others. Your light onto others. We are not the light ourselves, but you are. Help us to reflect that light in the world that we're in. It's in Jesus' mighty, mighty name I pray all these things. Amen. Amen.